Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Earlier today, we had the opportunity to speak with Representative John Curtis. Uh, He was still in Europe at the time. He was uh, getting ready to catch a flight. And we had a chance to talk a little bit before the president laid out the specifics of uh, those particular sanctions. Uh, Representative Curtis was actually there to talk about climate and environmental issues uh, with many of those from Europe. Of course, those same European leaders were getting ready to take a vote on some of the sanctions that would be approved and some of these things relating to Ukraine. Uh, But this is an important one in terms of really helping us look at what comes next in all of this and what will Russia do and how will we respond? And do we need to be out in front rather than always reacting to what Vladimir Putin is doing? Next is now. Very pleased to be joined today by John Curtis, a representative here for the state of Utah, uh, traveling in Europe today. Uh, Congressman, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's uh, always good to be with you, Boyd. Uh, obviously, there's a, a lot going on. It's changing by the minute as it relates to Ukraine. Uh, and so let's start kind of at a higher level. Uh, obviously, you're you're seeing and sensing a, a lot of things in, in Europe, which has to be a, a little bit surreal there. Uh, but what are some of the things that you're watching that maybe uh, we're not talking about as it relates to Ukraine? Well, interestingly, uh, for other reasons, we're over here at the invitation of the European Union. We've been meeting with lawmakers um, all day long, all week long, and, and had several meetings today with the very people who will be deciding uh, the fate of uh, Europe's response uh, back today. And we're just in the building where the, all the European leaders will be meeting in two hours, two or three hours, to vote on sanctions. So we're getting a good sense of what's happening here and how they're feeling about it. Yeah, and as uh, you look at that, uh, obviously there's some uh, things starting to happen. We know the president has spoken with the G7. We know there has been uh, a lot of calls uh, for really suspending this swift payment uh, ability and even some interesting uh, splits in terms of of Europe. Germany, Italy, Hungary, and and Cyprus, who have close financial ties with Russia, aren't – quite as excited about uh, that part of the the sanction opportunity where others like uh, Poland, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania are saying, yeah, we definitely have to do that. What are you sensing in terms of uh, some of these sanctions? Is there real unity around there or is there still some work to do? Well, interestingly, the way the European Union works, it has to be unanimous. 
and so they they can't afford a single straggler. But I'm sensing great uh, unity, and there's nothing like you know this uh, crisis to pull people together. And interestingly, I've I've also sensed a renewed uh, uh, realization of the importance of the United States over here. Um, all of a sudden, we have a, a lot of new good friends here because they realize just how important our relationship is in, in what they face ahead of them. Yeah, and I think as uh, we look to that, obviously one of the questions that I, I think historically uh, people are going to be looking at is uh, both the, the lifting of, of sanctions on the uh, pipeline going from Russia into Germany uh, at the beginning of the Biden administration, also the slowing down of oil and gas leases and pipelines here in the U.S. that has taken us from being energy independent and a net exporter uh, to being reliant on this. What What is your sense in terms of uh, that seems to be something that's hitting everybody uh, in terms of, of gas and oil. Uh, what does that prospect look like? Well, all conversations are in gas and oil. Um, their their, their uh, utility rates have already gone up four or five hundred percent. They know that they're just going to skyrocket through the roof now. It's, this is all about uh, natural gas coming from Russia. Forty percent of Europe's natural gas comes from Russia. And uh, yeah, so clearly... Uh, everybody's watching that. And there is a strong sense that decisions that we made have weakened us and strengthened Putin's hand in all of this. Uh, one of the other things that I think is, has been really interesting uh, to look at is uh, just the, the role. You mentioned the uh, U.S. role as leader of the free world, uh, talking about it historically. What do you hope the president will say in addition to sanctions? Obviously, there was a new strategy of we're going to say and share all the intelligence we have. Uh, and the good news, I guess, is that the intelligence was right. The bad news is that the intelligence didn't deter right. anything. And so where does that position us in terms of a go-forward strategy? Well, I was with, with one of the commissioners today. There's there's a commissioner for each country. And I, I looked at her and I said, what message would you have me give uh, back to the United States? And she said the most important thing the United States can do right now is send a very strong signal uh, that they're with us. And uh, this unity message, and uh, I talked to another uh, lawmaker, and he said, listen, Putin will get a, he will do what he can get away with, and his next move will be determined by our reaction to this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think uh, all eyes are on President Biden right now, and the reaction has to be swift, and it has to be harsh, and it has to be everything we've got. Um, otherwise, they feel that he'll keep moving. There is also no question uh, that he would consider a NATO nation. Yes, uh, and I, I think that's such a, a vital part of this. And, and I think uh, one of the things that many people are, are waiting for is we, we know there'll be this next tranche of sanctions uh, coming. But is that going to be uh, enough? It, again, it doesn't seem like it's a deterrent. It will hurt uh, Russia and the Russian people, of course, over time. Uh, but in terms of really declaring kind of where we are and what comes next, uh, what is the message the president really needs to send, both rhetorically, diplomatically, uh, and then also militarily. He won't get away with this. He cannot, Putin cannot get away with this. And uh, there must be severe repercussions. Um, and clearly nobody wants to send, we're not talking about sending American soldiers over there. But everything short of that needs to be in our toolkit uh, that, that, that has to send that message. And there has to be no equivocation that uh, will stand behind our uh, NATO promise to protect our NATO neighbors. Because they, they literally over here are considering the fact that he may keep moving into a NATO nation uh, if he gets away with this. 
Yeah, and that, and that uh, will be the interesting thing. Obviously, he's been a leader that has been uh, isolated. I think his inner circle uh, may be a circle of one uh, coming out of the pandemic. And uh, how do we deal with that, knowing that, knowing that uh, evil exists in the world, knowing that uh, that President Putin is uh, looking at his own legacy at age 70, having been in power for over two decades? Uh, what are some of the other things that we should be mindful of as we try to navigate this? Well, there's quite frankly, a lot of reflections to World War II out here and, um, you know, our, our reactions of not moving um, and taking this uh, serious enough to begin with, with Germany. And uh, there's a lot of those conversations here that, um, you know, this, how, do, how do we keep this from becoming World War III? And that's the, that's the scary thing is it feels over here like the wrong move and, and you're back in World War III. Yeah. And then uh, finally, Congressman, before I let you go, as you look at how this plays forward, obviously you've been in, in Belgium talking with all of these European leaders uh, about climate uh, and about air and ab- about uh, being uh, responsible with the environment. Uh, how do all those conversations shift uh, in light of where we are in Ukraine today? Well, I'll tell you, um, here's, the, here's the number one takeaway. For decades, we worked on energy independence as, a, as the United States. And just as we were there, we eroded that. And right now, I'm telling you, everyone in Europe is screaming uh, for energy independence. And the fact that they're so dependent on Russia for fuel uh, scares them to death. And I think that's a lesson we ought to be looking at in the United States is, um, listen, it doesn't matter how green you are. If you if you can't heat your homes in winter, uh, that, that all of a sudden is the most important issue for you. Well, I know you've got uh, planes to catch and uh, miles to go before you sleep today. But, Congressman John Curtis, thanks so much for joining us. Give us some perspective from Belgium today. Appreciate you joining us on the line. Thanks, Boyd. I think the, those last comments from Representative Curtis are so important about what we do next. He outlined how the country had worked, how the United States had become energy independent, uh, a net exporter of energy. And he, he referenced this idea of you – no know, you. No matter how green you might be, if you can't heat your homes and, and operate your, your cars to move around and you're dependent on someone else for that, that hurts freedom. Uh, that hurts you. And we saw that. We've talked about that last week in terms of uh, Germany's approach to becoming more green and having green energy. Uh, but at the same time, they became increasingly dependent on Russia. Uh, and so that's a lesson that we do have to learn. And I think the lesson is an important one because the lesson isn't just pump all the oil and natural gas that you can. No, it's it's an and question. And I think that's what we often miss in these international moments, these big moments, is no, it's not about saying that green is horrible and we shouldn't worry about the environment. We should do all of that and and we should do everything possible to be energy independent so we aren't looking to places like Russia uh, for oil uh, or for any of the things that we're going to need to function as a society. That's an important lesson. And there's a lot more of those and moments, I think, as we watch things continue to unfold in Ukraine. Uh, messages and lessons from the past, a lot of things happening right now. And more importantly, will we galvanize for the future uh, and really be united around questions like this, the good and evil questions that actually do matter in the end? We'll step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, uh, we'll be looking at what could we have done in advance? The anticipation question, not to point fingers or place blame, but again, what are the lessons learned? What does leadership look like? Stay with us. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. 
It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.